Hello and welcome to 52. One guest, one pack of playing cards and myself. To fill as unpredictable a half an hour sports podcasting as I think you'll be able to find anywhere. Now 52 is brought to you by Grosvenor Casinos, the UK's leading operator with 52 venues nationwide. Online at grosvenorcasinos.com and of course check out the app. Now the questions will be mostly chance. Chosen from this pack of cards with questions on each of them. And regardless of what happens in the turn of those cards, answers must be found. And that challenge falls to just one person who I will now introduce in 52 seconds. A lovely kid, a nice boy from a nice family. Not my words, but the words of Mick Carney, who owned the first gym he ever walked into as a young kid. Hasn't been so nice an experience for those in the opposite corner at amateur and professional level. He held multiple world championships over two weight classes and was the first British boxer to reach the final of the World Amateur Boxing Championships. I see two careers when I see this man, up until Klitschko and after Klitschko. Hopefully, we're going to talk about them both, but maybe not. The cards will decide. Instead, we might talk about his newfound poker skills, how he named his kid after a legend, or maybe that broken toe, although I'll not bring it up, because at 39 years old, he could still break every single freaking bone in my body. Yes, the haymaker is here for 52. David A. Hey. You all right? Good to be here, yeah. Good. I'm looking forward to it. Guess who was the very last episode of 52 before you? And in fact, they're being released on the same day. Mike Tyson. (laughs) Mate, if you think we've got the budget to get Mike Tyson (laughs) on this, you've got Nord incoming. No, think a boxer who would be much more cheaper to get on it. Yes, Tony Bellew. Was it it Tony (laughs) Bellew? Yes. That is good value, Tony Bellew. And in fact, the the last question's a wild card where I get to ask anything I want. And he's picked it. So that'll be nice (laughs) when we get there. Uh, Right, brilliant. Here we go. It's time to lace up and ring the bell. Well, shuffle up, really. Now, hold on a second. You've been learning to play poker. You shuffle the cards. When I play poker, I don't actually shuffle the cards. I don't actually touch the cards other than my two. But Right, what he's doing, first of all, the cards flicked around. Second of all, he's not riffling. He's just, what is that? Yeah, do that one, yeah. You can do the one when they riffle That's it. Yes! Looks like I know what I'm doing there. Brilliant, thank you. Right, dead simple start. I'm simply going to just fan the cards and you're going to blindly pick one to start. The first question for David A is the king of clubs. And what's it say? What is my most embarrassing moment? Now, that's interesting because mm. you lost your O relatively early on. Very, very, very early on. Was it, it was only after two years uh, as a professional. I'd say for sure that was when I felt the most embarrassed for sure. It was against a guy called Carl Thompson who was at the time was a seasoned veteran. He was late 30s. I was a 24-year-old upstart, 10 fights, 10 wins, 10 knockouts. All the press was saying, I'm going to be the next cruiserweight champion in the world. Given it the large, I was the man at that time. You know, a bit of money in my pocket. I was out and people started recognising me. I was on BBC. Everything was going good. And um, we selected to fight this guy. You know, it was, it was a tough challenge. It was a step up in, in, in league for me. Way older, right? He was way older than me, but he, he was a former world champion. Yeah. You know, he'd been there, done it. I was actually a fan of him. My family was a fan of him. And when I told my mum, I said, uh, I was fighting Carl Thompson. She was like, oh, no, don't, don't fight him. I'm like, why not? She went, I really like him. I, I don't want you to hurt him. I was like, business is business, mum. You got, you got, you know, just don't worry about that. Anyway, I didn't think for a moment it would be a tough fight mm. at all. I went through the training camp. I did my training, did my sparring, did my runs. But I didn't train to the intensity that a fighter would do if he knew his life was on the line. Right. I was training to fight an older guy who was slower than me, 
who had way more miles than a clock, who didn't have that youth, who didn't have the hype behind him. Anyway, I was reading my own press clippings, really believed in my own PR team's uh, yeah. <laughs> press yeah. releases. Come fight night, I'm focusing on the after party. You know, I, have you got the red band or the blue band? You know, I'm literally going through, and literally before the fight, looking at the after party. I said to him, yeah, I'm the knottiest guy in two rounds. What are the odds on the second round knockout? You want to put your money on that? Blah, blah, blah. Walked to the ring, danced my way to the ring. Everyone's there hyping me up, high-fiving people on the way to the ring, thinking this is just easy work. First round, go out there, goes exactly as I anticipated. Punched the living daylights out of him. He's reeling on the ropes. The referee looks like he's going to jump in a couple of times. Same thing in the second round. But after the second round, I remember sitting down in the corner and my legs felt like they were they had lead in them. I just, mm. it, was, it was a horrible sensation. I was like, I really got to get this guy out of here in this round because I'm running out of steam. It's a 12-round fight. It's round, coming into round three. And I'm really feeling the pace because he just kept absorbing all of the punches. Anyway, round three, I really gave it a good go. Nearly got him out there. Didn't. So then he's like, okay, he starts hitting me with jabs now. Starts touching me up a little bit. Body shots, head shots. He starts coming back into it. And I felt my life force just dissipate. You know, I was in the ring fighting this old guy. I could see all the shots coming, but I just wasn't physically or mentally tough enough to go through it. And I got battered, absolutely beaten up. And in round five, my corner, I got knocked down a couple of times. Adam Booth, my coach, threw the towel yeah. and to save me for another day. It was the most humiliating feeling to lose against someone in my heart I truly believed I was better than and the hype got to me it was a real real painful lesson after the fight I had a pain on my brain it was absolutely <clears> terrible <throat> I thought I had a blood clot and I actually got rushed to the hospital afterwards you know that uh, gave yeah. me oxygen and yeah. you know, I was passed out hospital I remember laying in the in I did a brain scan and I remember laying there thinking if I can somehow get a license after this to continue boxing because I thought when you have a brain trauma that's the end of your boxing yes. career I remember thinking if I'm lucky enough to get through this I'll, this will never ever happen yes. to me ever again I promised myself that and, so, uh, and afterwards I came back and afterwards I came back and three years later I was the undisputed number one in the world won all the world, world, world title belts at Cruiserweight but it took me getting battered yeah. for me to get that <clears> kick <throat> up the bum to say right you've got to change your life change how you live how, what you eat I didn't think boxing was that tough until that night and that was the best thing that could ever happen to me. So many points off that. Your mum was a big boxing fan. Yeah. Right. Huge. I saw some, so the whole family, fight fans. Fight right? fans, love it. So would your mum say things like, oh, he's got a two inch extra reach. What you need to do, just go on the back foot, <laughs> let him come in with the right hook and then you come over the top with the left. David, David, listen to me. Listen to me. I know what you need to do to this punk. Was it that level of knowledge? It was, it was pretty much so. Yeah, she, they, they, it was. What it a dinner was from table. My dad, my mum and my dad always, uh, they always gave me their opinion on yeah. what they thought. They loved the jab. I never used to jab enough. I always used to go for the knockout and I'm like, just use your jab. Use it. And they, they were they were big boxing purists. They love Muhammad Ali and you know long yeah. Lennox Lewis, long range boxers. You did against Fayyev when you had to fight someone much bigger. Exactly, exactly. Did, yeah. I, I learned they loved that fight because that was exactly yeah. as they they liked classy boxing, landing your shots about getting hit back yourself. Next thing, yeah. you said the most important thing when you go in the boxing ring, you have to be uh, aware of the fact you might not come out of it. Yeah. Um, and the most dangerous thing is to not prepare for that. Mm -hmm what a lesson learned it yeah it was a, it it was a very painful tough lesson in humiliating but i'm the type of guy you know my dad always said those who don't listen must feel and i've always got a beating got hit by a car or there's always been something tragic happens for me to go okay i'm gonna look when i'll cross the street now mm. no matter how much your mom says look when you walk yeah but okay now i know not to do it yeah. you need to really train hard dave you really need to pay for it. yeah yeah i'll do that i'll do it all right bang you get bashed up okay now i'm gonna change yeah. it so i'm that guy 
And it's a shame that I'm that guy, but that's how I've always been. And you need it from time to time. Everybody needs a good, it sounds a bit crazy. Everyone needs a good old beating from time mm. to time, particularly someone who's built from the stuff that I am. I'm a fighter. No matter what era I'd have been born in, I'd have been in a pit fight and I'm really glad yeah, I'd have been, that's me. Yeah. I'm that fighter. And I need a good beating from time to time. So many questions to ask off the back and I'm not allowed. Right? Oh, you can. Oh, Come on, you can. Me. No, forget the, forget no okay. Just, we have to keep this 30 Go. seconds. Okay. The emotions that you feel. Let's get back to the question. Most embarrassing moment because that is right. So what about, what's a boxer feel when he gets knocked the fuck out? You don't right? feel anything. Pain, no. numbness, embarrassment, relief. There's no relief. So, so embarrassment's it, right up the yeah, top of the list. It's embarrassing. I remember every time I've been knocked down, it's like, I can't believe I'm on the floor. Yes. It's just humiliating to be knocked down. It's like, I don't know, it's like getting nutmeg from a footballer right. at the World Cup, right? And then you lose mm. that point and you go, oh, it's, it's night through the heart. Getting knocked down is because is, I've done it so much to other people and I've got so much satisfaction from knocking out pretty much everyone I've, I've, I've beaten. And it happens to yourself. It's mm. it stings. It stings real bad. Don't anyways down after yeah. that first question. It was cracking. <laughs> right, riffle. Say stop. Stop. Okay. What was your greatest sporting first? This is the two of diamonds. If you get a pair or above, I don't need to explain that to you with your poker skills. A thousand pound will go to the Cares Trust from Grosvenor oh, Casino. Nice. So that's nice. Um, that's great for you because there was a lot of firsts, and I put some of them into your intro as well. Greatest sporting first. I, it was probably. Whilst I was an amateur, as you mentioned in the, in the build-up, mm. I got that right. I got yeah, he got that right. Nailed I, it. I was the first boxer to get to the finals of the world championships, and it's quite ironic as my biggest, my first biggest achievement, you know, to go to the world championships, knowing that all the great British amateurs we've we've had over the years, none of them, you know, got to the final of this tournament, mm-hmm. and um, for me to achieve that felt good, but it also felt terrible because getting a silver medal at the world championships mean you came second I mean I lost in the finals so although I got beat in the finals by a Olenia Fontes Solis the Olympic gold medalist one of my best heavyweight Cubans ever I was embarrassed with the silver medal you know although many people would have been really proud of it I put a brave face on when I got it but I remember leaving thinking I didn't come here for a silver medal I didn't come here to be the first finalist i came here to be the first Winner. world champion yeah, yeah and it was a sort of bittersweet thing because everyone that's amazing david you've got this you know we no one we never fought anyone and i'm like yeah yeah but i still lost i nearly beat the cube i nearly knocked him out in the first round hit him with a big uppercut but he came back and whooped me and i was i was only i was new to the heavyweight division i was a lot smaller than he was but it didn't matter i still believed i was the best in the world and that then gave me the, the boost in the heavyweight division. It took me another year or so to sort of fill out into the 90 kilogram or the 14 stone four division as an amateur. You have heavyweight and super heavyweight. So I wasn't fighting the giants. I was fighting the cruiserweights, the guys who were around 200 pounds, 90 kilos. And it took a little while to adapt to the weight category. But when I did, I then had continued success winning tournaments around the world. But that was my first biggest, great, my greatest achievement. But And you're it, tying it in to also... You know, regret and embarrassment. Oh, yeah. what the, I love it's, how they tie it's, together. It's the, it's the same. It's in Belfast, right? It was in Belfast, yeah. 2001. It was in a. It it's was like a, I'm claiming a bit of that. Yeah. Come on, Belfast! <laughs> like that makes me tough. It doesn't at all. It was. It was. An, it was a great day. It was a great day for everybody else, but it still burnt. But that that is like you. You would go on to unify the cruiserweight yeah. division, which again we we could have had as an answer. Um, then of course moving up, beating Valley, you have to take a world title, but it's a sign of a winner that the defeats come to mind first. And yeah. I've noticed it more with boxers than mm-hmm. any other sport. 
because you learn i i find winning just reconfirms the stuff that you don't need to be reconfirming you know mm-hmm. i punch hard yeah i know i punch hard i've always yeah. punched hard since i was a kid so me knocking someone out and run around what does that tell me david yeah you punch really hard i don't really need to be knowing that yeah. you know but when you hit someone and they keep standing and your energy runs out it's like, okay you need to work on this or work on that you need to improve this but you can win so much you forget that there are elements of your game that always need work and um, you see it with fighters unbeaten fighters for so long and all of a sudden they just fall apart it's not because they're not not good it's because maybe they've stopped working on the other things and start focusing on the punch power Deontay Wilder for instance he knocked out pretty much every man he ever faced faces Tyson Fury and once the punch power once that punch didn't land after it wasn't didn't mm. have anything else other than that one punch mm. and it was really clear and obvious um so now i'm sure he's going back to the drawing board to try and work on the other elements of his game well our first two punches that have been dealt the king of clubs and the, the two of diamonds have really got us into a part of your career that mm. probably isn't high up the agenda in questions when you do interviews so i'm loving that but right <laughs> now i will take over the control because okay. it's time for me to stack the deck but before I reveal my card, a good time to remind everyone we're sponsored by Grosvenor Casinos. That's why we can do Colin Murray's 52. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast and all the usual places, of course. And the 52 is a magic number for Grosvenor Casinos. That's how many outlets they have across Britain. And it's grosvenorcasinos.com and you can check out the app too. Right, totally frivolous. This hasn't came out yet. The Nine of Hearts. What was your first kiss like? <laughs> Something I've never asked. In any interview ever. My first kiss Gonna was... Gonna be some sweet sounds. It was uh first proper kiss. You have kisses, oh. but then you have real kisses. Oh, no, I'm talking tongues. You talk, you talk and go... It was real nice. It was... Uh, <laughs> it, I, remember, I remember it was It was very different. I went into another zone, if yeah. that makes sense. I went... I was really in it. I was really into it. And it, it was the start of the end. It was... <laughs> <laughs> that yeah i remember i remember i was at school i was at school at the uh, bus stop and uh oh the old bus stop first yeah, kiss come yeah, on were you uh, building up to it was it yeah, planned it was, it, no it wasn't planned did she it tell you there. she would kiss no, you no no it just kind of had been hanging around for a little while and all of a sudden yeah. it, morning it, or afternoon it was after school okay, it was after, after school, after okay. school. and uh it didn't lead on to anything unfortunately but it was uh yeah it hit the spot and it was it was everything and more that I hoped it would be. Did the kiss sense. end before the bus arrived? The, ki- the kiss ended and then we sort of waited a little bit and it was a bit, you know, I was only like, only 14 or something. I was only a kid. Yeah. And uh, I remember it was, it was like, then I'm thinking, okay, what's the next move? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Where does it, where, where does this go? And I was like, I don't really know. I was like, oh, a bit, a little bit awkward, you know, when you're a kid and you know, yeah. I think I hadn't, I didn't really <laughs> had my, I didn't have my flow yeah. back then. I was just kind of figuring out the, the boundaries and, you know, it was all a bit weird, but I remember it was it was nice and uh, yes, it was, it was very nice. What did she remember? Of course cool she does. <laughs> Of course she does. Yeah. Not embarrass her by saying her name, but she knows who she is. No, she said the same when she did 52. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My granny used to call it gob sucking, so I had a fear of it. Because she would sit there where a can of Carsberg special brew, and she'd go, I hope you're not gob sucking yet. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember the fir- uh, first girl I kissed was a thing called Helen in the music classroom with everyone watching. It was horrific. But it was like kiss, 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 kiss. Uh, one proper of those pressure, ones. Proper yeah. pressure. And we gob sucked. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? Where yeah, like yeah. You li- you, it's not like that nice. Yeah, it was like, like woof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like 
where you connect and the mice, you know, we both didn't know what we were doing. Yeah, we were te- teeth clanking and all yeah. sorts of that. <laughs> <laughs> I still do. I still teeth clank once in a while, <laughs> from being told. I don't know why I answered that. Why would I choose that as one of the few questions that <laughs> I decided to answer for myself? Just brings back a good memory, doesn't it? Uh, right, okay, we move on to, uh, back to you. I'm going to shuffle so you know that I'm not cheating. And I'll cut the deck of this wonderful, unique set of cards we use for 52. And then you quite simply just pick top or bottom. Top, please. Excellent, like everybody. I don't know whether it's the champions thing. People keep telling me, right, winners pick top. But I think it's actually because the bottom card is exposed. And therefore, you think it might be cheating. If we went to the bottom, it would have been, oh, my God, the card that keeps coming out. Uh, Who or what is your one true love? Uh, What you actually got was the seven of clubs, so no pair yet. Who's the greatest manager or coach you've ever worked with? Now, Tony Bellew had exactly the same question. No way. Wow. I'd say I'd say Adam Booth. Adam Booth was my first coach who really took me under his wing. You know, I had coaches before I'd got Grant from Fitzroy Lodge, mm-hmm. um, Billy Webster, um, but I was one of a bunch of other kids. So they're probably the most important ones who teach you the foundations of how to box, your jab, your hooks, your balance, your rhythm, your timing. So I, I already learned the foundations from, you know, uh, Grant and Bill. You know, they were the, the, the guys who put the most effort into me. But when I got to around 17, Adam Booth then started training me pretty much full time. And he was quite new to the game as well. He didn't have much experience as a professional coach. You know, he was so you a good, he was a good together. He was, yeah, it, he was yeah. a good amateur. He, he didn't turn professional, um, but he worked with me. He was about, about 10 years older than me, so he was a bit older than me. And he was about late 20s. I was uh, uh, late teens. And we, we kind of learned the game together. And obviously from 17 years old, I then become get to the finals of the World Championships. He trained me then. I then uh, obviously went through my professional career. Uh, unified the cruiserweight division, won the heavyweight championship of the world. And then you know, obviously uh, we stopped working with each other in, it was after when I had the big timeout after I had mm. three and a half years out, kept getting injured, so falling, after, falling apart, bodies falling, falling to bits. Was that after Klitschko? That was after Klitschko yeah. and after Derek Chisora. Okay, after so Chisora. In between, we then started training for um, a fight against Tyson Fury yes. and kept getting injured. So I then had needed a bunch of operations. Mm. and uh, But I'd say... The fact that he trained me from the amateurs to a professional world title in two weights, you know, no one else has done anything remotely close with me. I used to have this argument with my friends who supported mm. Arsenal. Mm. And they said, but Wenger, I said, look, it doesn't matter what he's done. History tells you that all of the top clubs never kept a manager that long. Mm. Bayern Munich, uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona didn't even get close to that. And in fact, Liverpool, only you can go like eight years longest manager ever. Mm-hmm. Because it's not about someone being able to tell you things that will really help you. It's about new things. Mm. You may go to a coach that you look back and say, I wouldn't put Shane McGuigan ahead of Adam Booth or whatever. But do you need to learn that next 2 or 3% that maybe he didn't have? Is that the reason every, why every, every boxers co- should change coaches? Fury's the best example. I think it's a healthy thing for boxers to work with different coaches. Even if, it's, even if they keep the same one they've got. Even when I was working with Adam Booth, I still worked with other coaches at the same time. You know, Jorge Rubio, I'd go to Miami with Jorge Rubio and Paddy as well. I did some work with Paddy as well. I've had different coaches whilst Adam's been working with me. I go yeah. to different countries and whatnot. So every time I've worked with different coaches, I've learned something new. Every time, you know, even if the coach wasn't a big brand name coach, you know, I've, I've always learned something. You know, uh, Ishmael Salas, you know, Shane McGuigan, you know, I've, I've, for both of those, I learned immensely i felt 
significantly better working on different things, different time and different rhythm. They look at different angles. They, yeah. they see boxing in a different way. And you need different eyeballs on you sometimes because right. you can get kind of stuck doing the same thing. Even if that thing's working every time, sooner or later, you, you kind of get, it gets a bit monotonous and you yes. need to you know, freshen it up a little bit. So I think a change sometimes mm. is good, a change of an environment, a change of a gym. But, you know, I definitely feel fighters, even if they're happy with their coach, their coach should feel confident enough to bring someone else in. If you if, if have only done long-range boxing and you're having a fight where the likelihood is you're going to do some inside work, Bring in a coach who specializes in up-close work. Some yeah. a Mexican coach who knows about inside fighting. Bring him into the team and then sort of work there and it might improve you. Mm. Okay, here we go. One question. I have so much that I'd hoped would come up but hasn't yet. So let's see. Your fifth card. If you get a seven, a king, a nine or a two, that's a thousand pound. But we're, we're about, we've given away about half of them has happened. So that's okay. great. We've done well already. Uh, okay, cut those cards anywhere you want and read whatever card is in your hand now. Right then, you have a time machine. Could you, could you tell me? Oh, at least sorry, what it's it is? a jack. It's oh, a jack. We've got, we've got nothing. We've oh. absolutely nothing. You have a time machine. Which moment in history would you return to first? <gasps> we haven't had that yet. We haven't had that. Um, I think I'd go to October thirtieth, nineteen seventy-four. Zaire Africa Robert for, the, for the rumble in the jungle. George Foreman, Muhammad Ali. I think that would have been the best sporting moment I could have ever been at to see my hero, you know, um, both two of my heroes, George Foreman's my hero also, but Muhammad Ali, the guy who, you know, was willing to lose his heavyweight title for his principles, for his religion, for the fact he believed he shouldn't be going to Vietnam, killing innocent Vietnamese people. He was willing to die rather than do that. And someone who shows that type of, mindset and determination and you know love and compassion for other human beings and he was villainized for it also but he didn't care because he knew he was doing the right thing at the time the press slaughtered him but in reality as years have passed people have realized that was three and a half years of his prime he sat on the sidelines watching you know joe fraser you know Mm. fight for his title and uh, when he had the opportunity, he jumped straight in there and tried to beat Fraser. Obviously, he'd been out of the ring for three and a half years. That wasn't going to happen. So we lost that fight. But he was fighting a guy in George Foreman in Zaire, Africa. That was a machine unbeaten who knocked out Joe Fraser, who knocked out you know, um, Ken Norton. Two guys who both beat Ali prior to that fight. So the odds are against him. He was aging. Everyone was worried about his health. There was no way he could win this fight. And what does the greatest do? He performs in the greatest way possible. Mm. Did the rope-a-dope, went out there and bamboozled George Foreman. You know, a monster. He was, you know, he was absolutely devastating at the time. And, and Ali showed his true greatness to come back way past his prime to put on a great performance. And if I was there, that would, be, that would have been, the, I had to have been there yeah, if I could be anywhere. I'll come back with you yeah. to Kinshasa on one condition. Go for him. You'll get your box and I want my journalism. I want to go back two months before and okay, stay there for the two months in the build-up. The, the injury. Yeah. And the fact that the fight didn't go ahead. And in that time, before any social media, before any very little live TV, Muhammad Ali made George Foreman the enemy no, of a continent. He really did. Pete. Right? Yep. He was seen as the Uncle Tom. Hmm. Right? The big dogs yeah, the, the, the and, 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 and Muhammad Ali's promotional skills mm. were like 50 years ahead. Yeah. 
what he did manipulated to turn, everybody to yeah. turn this man yeah. who hadn't done anything no. wrong no. how he managed to market that fight is he was representing yeah. Africa. He was representing African-Americans. Yeah, yeah, he people. was representing the people and this guy was the enemy. I would love to see it happen with all the knowledge of how social media works and just see how he did it. Because, yeah. I mean... It was he, a master stroke, it, oh, it really was. He know. makes Don King look like Father Doodle. Yeah, yeah. It was like that um, Ali Bombaye, Ali kill him. Yeah. They got everybody chanting, chanting that. Chanting it in the chanting streets. Chanting that. And, and you know, people still talk about that fight to this day. You know, people realise that was one of, if not the greatest sporting moment mm. ever, you know, to get the greatest. Muhammad Ali somehow beating this monster, this undefeated machine who just knocks everybody out. All of the people who beat Ali, he knocked them out. So what business did Ali have in there believing he could win mm. the fight? But he said, I'm the greatest, I'm the shock of the world. And he did. And for me, for someone to go up against the odds when he's a massive underdog, when he's past his prime, fighting someone who's in their prime, who's got it all to lose, he went out there and, and, and did it in a tremendous fashion. For me, that was, that was perfection. Have you noticed how many questions referred back to the intro for once? Because uh, Cassius, I said you need there to get after Yeah, my, 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 yeah, my yeah. oldest son, Cassius, uh, he, uh, cool he, doesn't bo- he doesn't box. He doesn't, but he does a little bit. He beat me up the other day, with, did a bit of sparring. Good. Was he fat too? Um, far? He, you getting he, too he slow really, now? He was, a, he was a bit quicker than I thought he was. He was sneaking them in there. He had his little boxing gloves on as well. So they, when you try and block, they kind of get through the little gap. Yeah. So he hit me right in the eyeball. Well, that's our five questions. There's only one remaining, and that is the wild card. That's where I get to ask you anything. However, Tony Bellew is the episode just before you, and he wanted me to ask you, yeah. do you respect him now? Of course I do. Yeah, I respected him then, really. I didn't want anyone else to know that. But of course, I, any fighter who's achieved what he's achieved, who's won world titles, who's been, you know, even his losses against Stevenson. And he, he was putting up a great fight. And he's, he's, a, he's a great fighter. One of the best fighters Britain's produced. And, you know, the fact from the first fight, for him to take the licks from me that he did, for him to come into the ring as focused and fired up with a tremendous game plan. Him and Dave Colbo, his coach, masterminded a tremendous game plan and implemented it, mm. implemented it perfectly. And, you know, he, he, deserved, he deserved to win both fights. And uh, the respect is well and truly, although it wasn't officially there because I, I, yeah. I said some silly things that, uh, that needed to be said to hype the fight, you know. Yeah. And without me saying those things, he wouldn't have been paid half as what he got paid. So, yeah, it worked out in everybody's favour for me to give him some stick before him. He had some very nice words to say about you in his episode. And I just want to finish by going to that place. I said at the start that I viewed it as two careers. Do you ever regret that you didn't go at 30. Forget, now financially, there's been a lot of money in those last three wins, two defeats, a lot of money. But if I take that out, is there a regret within you that you didn't stick to 31? No, I I would never have been happy. I would never have known. But I'm, you're happier in... I'm happier now knowing there's no, I, I went out with nothing left to give. Right. Those last two fights with Tony Bellew, that was me. I trained as hard as I could. I did paid, made the sacrifices. I did everything I could in sparring. I... And, you know, obviously snapped my Achilles tendon, my biceps snaps. I, it proved to me that I couldn't give any more. That was it. And if I would have retired uh, at 31, I would have always been in the back of my mind thinking, why did you waste those years? Mm. You, you could have come back. You could have beat him. You never know what could have happened. Now I know what could have happened. I wasn't going to win the title back. But now I know that. I'm at peace knowing that mm. I did everything humanly possible. 
when you were walking in then, have you just said, mm. you know, you, you trained as well as you yeah. could. So I, I'm just being totally honest. I like that fight slightly different. Which, which I, fight? Which fight are you talking about? The first one. The first He's fight. four to one with the boogies. Yeah. And yeah. I can't believe yeah. that, right? Yeah. I can't believe that. I see like you in the early rounds, but with all your, I'm being honest, like mm. it's just person A, yeah. person B. Mm. And I love Tony and I have a personal relationship with Tony, mm. but I don't have a personal relationship with anyone when I'm putting a few quid. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Right? I saw person A, person B, and person A had been through so, at you, so many injuries. Yeah. So many injuries. And is at that age against this guy who's got up so, as you have, by the way, but so many times. Uh The guy has a soul you can't break. And I'm thinking, hey, he has to win first two or three rounds or it's Tony's fight. I couldn't believe he was four to one. Did you feel going in it was an even match, or did you feel no, that? No, 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 I didn't. I didnn't feel it was an even match at all. I thought it you, was way more than four to one in my favour. I thought wow. I genuinely, I genuinely thought it was. I would have no matter what I'd have done, no matter how bad I would have fought, I would have still won. That's how it mm. felt going in. But what I didn't do, which I did in the past, like as I mentioned in my first big fight against Tony uh, Thompson, uh, mm-hmm. what I, what I did in that fight was I neglected my training. But in the Tony Bellew fight, although I believed at the time I was superior to him in every way and I was going to go out there do this and this and knock him out, I still trained my ass off. I was in such good physical condition because I knew anything could happen. And it did happen my, mm. in round five, my Achilles tendon snapped. And I had a good thing I was in, in the shape I was in because I was able to, even with one leg, maintain some type of competitiveness. And I was still in the fight throwing shots. He was, it, was, it went all the way to the 11th round until um, Shane McGuigan threw the towel in. But if I wasn't in that type of condition, I would never have got that far. And strangely, after all the victories I've had by knockout, me losing and getting stopped against Tony Belly, I got more respect and credit from the critics than I ever had in any of my wins. It was really strange. So I think people needed to see me take a good old-fashioned whooping for them to think, oh, okay, in actual fact, you know, I actually like David. I like the way he took them beats. Mm. It's strange, you know, and I had a rematch again. Same thing, a rematch. I thought, okay, come back. I thought, oh, if, I, if my leg went away, I'd have won the fight. Bicep snapped in the, in the lead up to that fight. Don't worry, that'll heal up. I only, I've got my right hand, my right hand to knock him out anyway. Trained real hard, did everything, and it was all gone. Mm-hmm. Come, come fight night, I got in the ring. I felt good walking to the ring, but as soon as that bell went, it was like, oh, so this, you know. this, this is a bit strange, you know, it's just... Doesn't feel right. Don't worry, we'll get next round, it'll be okay. Next thing I'm on the floor. How did that happen? No, I'm never getting knocked down like this. No one ever hits me with a shot on the button straight down the pipe. I'm so not you, that You guy. know the tank was empty. It, it, uh, the, so, the, a tank in terms of fitness was there. Yeah. It was empty in terms of uh, that fraction of a second that I've had on everyone I've ever fought. Yeah. I've had to see what they're doing before they do it. It it just it just went. Whether it was that one night, whether that's just forever, I don't know. But whatever the magic that I once had, it, it was no longer there, and it wasn't a fun place to be. Don't <laughs> give anything away, because the five card hand hasn't meant much to many people out there, but it means more to you. If that's the way it came out, King Seven Nine Four Street was the Jack, two of diamonds on the river. You bluffing? You putting the chips in? Yeah. Only if you bet. On the flop, right? If you represented the flush, yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely uh, act like I had the, the the flush draw and gone in with something. Right, this is why I ask. Right now, Amazon Prime, David versus Goliath. Not your first liaison with Grosvenor <laughs> Casinos. Don't give yeah. anything away. But from nothing, mm-hmm. they tried to take you to the top of the poker world. Yeah, they um, they realised I didn't know how to play poker. I didn't know the rules of poker. But they said if that if I had 
professional coaching, if I you know, had all the infrastructure around me to teach me poker, now if I could go to a casino and play as many tournaments as I wanted to in the, in the year, how well would, do I think I would have done at Goliath, the biggest poker tournament outside of Vegas in, is held in Coventry in, in August. I was like, I'd win it easy. Of course I will. Give me a year to do anything, I'll win it. Even though I don't know the rules. So they're like, okay, then this, this challenge on. So they, they named it um, the Goliath tournament, David versus Goliath. Yeah. And obviously I beat Nikolai Valuev for the heavyweight title and that was billed as David and Goliath. So it was like, you know, David and Goliath two again. Say nothing more because it is very, very interesting what yeah. happens. And I'm looking forward to people seeing it. The good news is, his Achilles didn't snap. Yeah. No problems with his bicep. Although there was when you're moving that big stack. Yeah, exactly, I exactly. was worried at one stage. <laughs> David A, that was 52, sponsored by Grosvenor Casinos. Thank you very much for coming. My Thank pleasure. you for being so candid. Oh, my pleasure. I my appreciate pleasure. that. Simple thing to say to finish, as you know, no more bets. This podcast has been a Cop C production and Grosvenor Casinos is for over 18s only. Photographic ID may be required and please gamble responsibly.